All right. Uh, hi, and welcome to the uh, third, official third episode of uh, the Masters of Growth podcast powered by Iridion. Uh, my name is Tim. I'm your host for today, and I'm very pleased to have Nick So with me. Hi, Nick. Hi. As uh, our guest on the show. And uh, Nick, maybe you can introduce yourself to the audience, give us a bit of background information, who you are, what you do. Sure. Uh, my name is Nick So. I am a director of optimization strategy at Wider Funnel. We are a conversion rate optimization agency in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Nice. So how long have you been with uh, Wider Funnel? Uh, just over three years now. Wow, cool. So what, what did you do uh, prior to Wider Funnel? Um, I had a little bit of time in direct mail where then there was a little bit of testing component to that. Uh, you know, it's a bit slower in terms of getting the results, but yeah. the philosophy is the same. And then before that, I spent quite a few years as the uh, digital marketing manager for a uh, travel website. Cool. Really interesting. Nice background. Um, so what I found was also pretty well known in the, in the industry, of course. Um, and you just said that your, your title is Director of Optimization Strategy. And of course, now that I have an expert on this topic on the show, I'm curious, what's, what are, from your perspective, successful ingredients needed for a successful optimization strategy you recommend for clients or have seen in other companies? Yeah, I mean, that's a huge question. There's so many different components uh, in place for a successful optimization strategy. Uh, I mean, just from the actual ideas and hypothesis generation alone, I think um, having the right mindset to be able to take creativity and data um, in generating hypotheses um, and also finding you know, useful sources of insights and you know, really evidence to come up with the ideas. You're not just simply throwing ideas at a wall and hoping things stick, but you have some sort of framework or process in place to gather data, whether it's user research or data analytics, or you know, looking at results from past experiments and come up, coming up with new insights from that in order to make them really actionable and have an ongoing program in terms of generating a new strategy. So, I think from just an idea generation standpoint, that's kind of the key thing is having some sort of framework and not just simply throwing things at a wall and hoping something works. Yeah. Do you have, um, could you maybe explain some of the frameworks you're using, uh, which, are, which have been proven to work well for you in the past? Yep. So Wider Funnel's primary uh, framework is called the Infinity Optimization Process. So uh, you can look that up on Google and our website. We'll, put, we'll add a show in the uh, link in the show notes, of course. Okay. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So the Infinity Optimization Process basically kind of splits the um, marketing approach into two different sides. One side is the, what we call the explore phase, and there's that is the validation phase. So the explore phase really speaks to the kind of creative side of marketing where you're kind of finding insights from uh, analytics, looking for user research, persuasion and marketing principles, considering consumer behavior, taking account the business context and business goals. So the kind of the more soft, um, intuitive side of marketing. And then the validation side is really the core experimentation part of it, where it's data-driven, you're taking all those insights you got from the creative side and really digging into the um, experimentation and validating those insights into actual um, tested hypotheses. So kind of the two mindsets there is what bakes is baked into our infinity optimization process. And then in the middle of all that, we have something called the lift model, which uh, for those who are familiar with CRO, people should be fairly familiar with, but it's essentially a way, um, you know, it's a good way to evaluate the barriers to conversion on a website. But really what the lift model allows us to do is to translate all those different data points, whether it's uh, marketing psychology, data, uh, data analytics, or user research, to filter all those different elements into a common language that anybody across the organization can speak to. So um, for instance, people, designers can no longer say, I don't like how this looks. 
is it, but the reason is like, you know, is it a matter of clarity that it's not clear to the user? Um, is this based off of user research that people are finding it's not clear or is it causing this distraction? So it really takes away the uh, subjectivity of, um, you know, marketing yeah. and really forces people to be accountable for their ideas. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um... So you mentioned that, like those two, those two mindsets, right? You're, you're trying to um, trying to shift basically in probably most of the companies. I can imagine that most oftentimes when you work with uh, new new clients, they don't have those mindsets already in place, and you just have to accelerate them. But you're probably also going through a change process, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay. Um, how, how, do you always start like do you always go from 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 creativity to 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 the validation more validation analytics side when you when you try to implement the framework when working with new clients or um, do you always or sometimes mix it up or do you also always make it like go hand in hand could you maybe explain that a bit uh, they often go hand in hand so when we start off with the client first I think the the key thing of the entire engagement that makes a successful program is for us to really understand the, our clients business their goals and their visitors and kind of really get into the heads of how the visitors approach their company or their brand and approach the website. So you can get an understanding of that through, you know, things like the user research or understanding the business context from our clients, or you can kind of test through that. So, you know, you can change something on the website and depending on how it reacts, we get a learning about how their visitors are reacting to the website. And so when we first start with the client, we kind of do both things. We do a really in-depth discovery workshop to kind of understand their value propositions, understand their customers, understand the target market, things like that. And at the same time, we start running some um, kind of lower level experiments just to get things off the ground and you know, hopefully gain some initial insights from that. But after a couple of months when we get a better understanding from um, our uh, clients, well, that's when the strategy really ramps up because we have a strong understanding of the visitors and the ideas get more, much more catered towards that particular audience. Mm -hmm. I found interesting that you mentioned those low-level experiments you're running right from the start pretty much to, to gain some first, get some first data. Do you also observe a certain, let's say, um, political impact on the mindset of the company just by doing those early A-B tests beside the pure analytics results that people like have early on successful uh, success moments? Um, it really depends on the client how kind of mature their understanding of experimentation is. Um, I think oftentimes the crucial, uh, the roadblocks we run into, the political roadblocks, is uh, a lot to do with the design uh, and branding aspect of it. I feel okay. oftentimes it's the brand, uh, we would call it brand police. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> stop to a lot of things, especially earlier on in the process. Yeah. Um, so if we're changing some element that uh, it might be suitable for, in our experience, conversion, uh, it might be against the brand and brand guidelines. And so finding that right balance and kind of uh, educating uh, the brand and design people of kind of what we're trying to do uh, in our process. Yeah. What are your, um, I think it's, it's a common thing you're just mentioning. It, it came back to my mind that I hear that uh, a lot, like we, we preach like, hey, do you have, you got to have a lot of visual contrast in successful experiments and A-B tests and at the same time, like high contrast on visual level really contradicts uh, corporate identity, corporate design guidelines. Um, did you make any experience with uh, successful techniques to convince brand owners, brand designers to go beyond their usual comfort zone to try out something new for experimentation? Yeah, absolutely. I think the main thing is having a collaborative work process, especially in the beginning. Um, it's really just to gain the trust of those designers and the brand people um, to make them realize that we're not trying to blow up their website to 
blow up their brand, but we're really trying to just help grow the company. And so what I find useful is to have them on board in terms of the idea generation and the hypothesis generation. So they feel committed and they feel like they're a part of um, this process. And once they're a part of it, they can understand what we're trying to do. And ultimately, oftentimes, they'll kind of take a step back and they're, okay, yeah, they're, not, they're cool, they're not going to be blowing up the brand, but they have a better understanding of the overall, um, uh, I guess, the yeah. motivation of what we're trying to do. So you just don't get them on board for approving a new design, but you really get them on board very early on for creating yeah. the, even the idea before it, it leads to a specific yeah. design, right? Exactly. And also give them a chance to kind of experience, you know, kind of the lift model a little bit where they say, oh, that's not on brand, but then you got to say, um, you know, is it, is it causing a distraction or is it causing, it's not just their subjectivity, but again, putting them in the shoes of uh, being accountable for that design element in terms of conversion. Yeah, interesting. So we just already we already talked about this uh, this brand design guideline thing as one of the roadblocks uh, you're experiencing when working with new clients. Um, what are other roadblocks or potential hurdles or maybe even mistakes you see companies make oftentimes when they try to start out with their optimization program? Uh, that's a good question. I think one uh, kind of common thing we see is that people get really excited about experimentation. They just try to run a lot of different tests at the same time yeah. and. The quality of, oftentimes the quality of the hypotheses might um, not be as good because they're trying to pump so many so fast. And yeah. also not having an understanding of, you know, statistical significance and confidence levels and sample size. Uh, they may be running, you know, five, seven variations, not understanding that, you know, you're going to have a greater chance of having a false positive and things like that. So um, to me, a little bit over-eagerness a little bit when people, when organizations are a bit uh, immature when it comes to understanding experimentation, but they understand the value of it. So that's kind of the one, uh, one of the common things that we've seen. Um, one of the things, other things we've seen more uh, lately with kind of the emergence of new web technologies is kind of having the technical background mm. or the um, website infrastructure to be able to support uh, testing, particularly either client side or um, kind of server side full stack testing. And um, you know, oftentimes the developer teams aren't really involved in the marketing side. And yeah. when you approach you know, what we do, it's very much technically focused and having the um, understanding and buy-in from the developer developer teams uh, is also kind of uh, a more, more common roadblock we've seen in recent times. Okay, interesting. Um, is there, like, are there, you just mentioned um, client-side testing, for example, is one of the new technical challenges coming up. Um, what are other maybe technical trends you see, um, you see rising which touch your work as an, influ uh, as an optimizer? Yeah, I think in terms of the client side, it's the um, the new single page apps in different JavaScript uh, languages where um, traditionally with uh, standard HTML website uh, pages, you can target a simple URL and you can make the changes for that URL. But with single page apps, the, the URL will stay the same, but the whole website experience changes through you know the code. And so um, most tools nowadays have a tough time trying to change elements within the page when the URL isn't changing because they don't know exactly when things are updating on the screen. And so um, there's some tools that are starting to get into it, but you know, for Wider Funnel, we found ways and workarounds to account for that, but yeah. it is something becoming more and more common. Yeah, I also definitely think that it, that it will impact our industry much more um, in the forthcoming month and weeks, like more clients will adopt new technologies. And then it's they won't be the outliers where you just have to deal with uh, like single page web applications, for example, it will, it will be the standard and you, you need an answer for that, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're definitely seeing that shift towards single page 
um, app framework in a lot of our clients. Yeah, but uh, what just came to my mind, what I maybe would like to, to close the loop on was like uh, one of the earlier episodes, we also discussed um, a question of yours, uh, which, which you submitted in our Slack channel, which was related to um, new checkout technologies like at the day or so influencing the work as, um, as an optimizer. And um, I was curious, just like because it's like it has been a couple of weeks, did you experience any new, did you gain any new insights on how those technologies might influence the work as an optimizer? Um, a little bit, I think. In, I'm not, I can't, um, I'm not, I don't have the context of what you discussed in the earlier episode, but in terms of generally with these new payment technologies, I think, um, especially with the ones that are even online, like the more the voice activated Alexa, you can order yeah. straight from Alexa. Yeah. So you've got to have a greater, um, a greater view or greater scope of the, the experimentation mindset because it's no longer specific to the website yeah. or the digital experience anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're trying to shift uh, where you know, a lot of times the digital marketing is very data focused because you have that data in place. But then when you shift a little bit out, um, you know, looking at a higher level, looking at the overall marketing journey or the customer journey and all the different touch points that a customer has with the business. And you start to kind of think about each point as a way to be able to experiment with it so that when they get to the Alexa to uh, want to buy, uh, then you know, all those different experiments beforehand will kind of impact that. And we're really kind of thinking of ways of how down the road we can really experiment with the entire customer journey yeah. Um, including voice and just not strictly within the digital realm of what's on your screen on your laptop. Yeah, that's a very good point. I also see, like, I think mindset-wise on the optimization side, I think it really also will shift from on-site A-B testing into experimentation. As you said, I think it's a perfect term, like experimentation of the journey itself, like across the multiple touch points and just be aware of that. A-B testing or opt optimizing on one end of the touch point will influence the other one and like which side effects will you have um, to to generate a bottom line grow, uh, growth um, for the for the whole funnel. Yeah, like we've definitely kind of shifted our uh, nomenclature away from A/B testing or testing because it really is like experimentation. Yeah. Um, you know whether it is through a statistical A/B test or some other way to validate yeah. um, um, hypotheses. Um, so really shifting it away from just you know the niche or that narrow niche of just testing alone. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, with one eye on the, on the time, of course, I would like to uh, go in one direction by closing of our interview, would be interested in what keeps you up at night as an optimizer these days, like what's really on your top of your top of your mind, which maybe is not resulting in day-to-day -day worries already, but what, what stuff like on, on top of your mind which keeps you awake at night. Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, these new emerging technologies definitely, um, and having the tools and technical expertise will support that. Um, you know, especially with kind of, if we bring on new clients where they have a fairly advanced uh, technical back end, we had to make sure that there's an alignment of expectations and in terms of um, complexity of developing tests and how the hypothesis you can run. And so making sure that, you know, our clients understand, yeah, if we're going to do full stack or server side, it's going to take a little bit longer, it's going to be more expertise. And our team has to be very, you know, collaborative with their developer team. And so having, when you're first onboarding, making sure there's alignment on that with their clients um, is something that we're, you know, being actively trying to uh, work on and improving. Uh, so that's one thing. And then also, yeah, again, like with the emergence of AI and finding different machine learning, these buzzwords um, that we've seen in the, mar in the marketplace industry, but positioning our work and how we can support that, you know, oftentimes um, they, people say that AI will replace the marketing of the strategist, but ultimately there's gotta be some kind of human input yeah. to 
the machine in order to output, you know, the results. And so, um, you know, making sure that we position ourselves in that kind of way uh, moving forward. Yeah, and also what, what, what you just meant, I think it's also something which AI can't substitute is the, the whole alignment part in the beginning of like setting expectations, like really yeah. getting, getting a sense for a client's mood and expectations saying, okay, and translating that into proper messaging for what to expect from this optimization program and how to approach it. Um, and then you can maybe run an AI generated test or whatever to get the results. But I think this human side of interacting, of setting expectations and alignment um, will hopefully yeah, keep there's it. There's a lot of human element in yeah. uh, digital marketing. <laughs> I think so as well. Very cool. Really enjoyed our conversation, Nick. Um, if people are interested in hearing more of what you say and think, where can people go online to hear from you or follow you? I uh, follow me on Twitter, I guess. I think it's um, at, what is it? S O N I C K W F, Sonic W F. Okay. Uh, or go on Wider Funnel and check out our website um, and see our team and what we do. Great. Any conferences this year you plan to attend where people can meet up with you? Um, I don't have anything on my calendar yet, but we do have several in place with the rest of our team. We have Hero Conference coming up, mm -hmm. I believe. Um, and Yeah, I'm not quite sure, but check our website and check our Twitter as well, Wider Funnel on Twitter. You can follow up on what uh, the whole company's Great. doing. We'll link them as well. Nick, thank you so much for the time. Really enjoyed the conversation and have a great day. All right. Thank you, Tim. Bye. Bye.